0: Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Let's look at uh, Psalm 4. If you could open your Bibles with me, if you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath the seat in front of you or on your phone. Uh, you feel free to open to Psalm chapter 4 this morning. We have uh, been on a journey to discover what the fear of the Lord looks like. And I just can't get away from it. When we understand the fear of the Lord as believers, we are not worried about the wrath of God on me. Can Can I just say it again? I'm not worried about God's wrath on my behalf. I'm not. Why is that? The blood of Jesus paid the price for all the wrath of God that I was due is now on God. It's now on Jesus. So the fear that I have to have, that I'm called into, is not trembling because... Because of his wrath. Now, I, I need to understand that he is the one, as Jesus said, that can cast the soul and the body into hell. There is that. But as a believer, for me personally, my encounter with the fear of the Lord is not based on dread and terror of for my future. I am confident in the blood of Jesus that has paid the price for all of my failures, has paid the price for all of my future failures. It says in Romans 5 that that Jesus died once for all. I I don't get to re-crucify Jesus every time I sin. And I've got to keep a conscious mindset of the fact that God's goodness and His love covers me, that His grace covers me. Now, this grace is not cheap. It is not cheap grace. It does not call us into a lifestyle to do whatever we want to do. Why? Because we fear the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord, when we dive a little bit deeper into that, we know that the fear of the Lord is encountering His love and His majesty. When we see God in His majesty, knowing full well that He is the creator of heaven and earth, there are not enough words to describe His beauty, His majesty, how awesome He is, how glorious this God is. There's not enough ways to describe how big He is. And yet, when we start to see him clearly, we need to see ourselves clearly and realize I'm not God, right? It automatically places us into a state of humility that says, God knows better than I do. God is smarter than I am. God has a better plan than I have. God has, all these things are better with the Lord. He has his best intention. His best heart is for me. In that place, I fear God. I never want to step outside of his will. Why? It's the best. It's always the best. Even when it's hard, it's always the best. Even when it's uncomfortable, it's always the best. So we can often struggle Because we are in love with our comfort more than we're in love with God. We often struggle because we think our emotions are the most important thing. How does it make me feel? How about, how does it make him feel? Now we might be on to something. When we're more concerned about how our behavior impacts the Father, maybe you'll change your behavior. That's proper fear of the Lord. Do you see him clearly? Do you see him clearly? The more clear you see the Father, the more your mind will change about yourself and what you do. See, when I had this encounter with God, I just keep going back there because it was so profound. In Labarge, Wyoming, We're encountering the holiness of God, and in this moment, he exchanges the fear of man. Okay, my love language is words of affirmation. So for people who are high words of affirmation, any um, feedback that's not positive is taken as criticism. Anything that's not affirming is like, oh, no, they don't like me, right? It gets twisted around in our brokenness, right? And so as a, as a son of God, I needed the words of affirmation from my father that grounds me to where I'm no longer worried about whether or not you affirm of me because now I can be a little bit more bold. Now, I can have a lot more confidence. Let me tell you, some of you are so afraid of the boogeyman in the corner, whatever that boogeyman is, right? You're afraid of this defilement. You're afraid of this. You're afraid of that. You're afraid of this. You live your life in absolute dread and fear of all of the things that could maybe perhaps be wrong that you're no longer seeing God clearly. You don't see God clearly because you're afraid of all the things that could go wrong and, and the, the, that's going bad in the world. And, oh, the devil's doing this and the devil, yes, he's doing all that stuff. Of course he is. And, of course, he's trying to infiltrate the church. Of course, he's trying to sideline ministers. Of course, he's trying to get everybody off the rocker, right? He wants everybody sideways. Okay, so what? So what? What? The more you fear what the devil's doing, the less eye you have on Jesus. That's a correction word for this house. Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eye on the King of Kings, on the Lord of Lords, on the creator of the universe. Stop giving the enemy so much room in your head. Haha. See that boldness thing just came out, I think. I just went, like, whoopah! Quinn's got this little bop it game, and there's one, there's a setting on it that says action, so it gives you little commands like bop it, twist it, pull it, you know, it's this little thing, and they've got an action one where it's like, swing it like a golf club, and it goes, whing, one of them's whip it, so I just was reminded of the whip it, bop it right there, so... Um, We're going to dive into Psalm chapter 4 because I believe that as we talk about the fear of the Lord and the correction that God is doing on us. Now let me just say, I'm very aware of what the enemy is trying to do. I'm very aware of what's happening in our nation. I'm very aware of what's happening regionally and locally. I'm very aware. I'm aware of the deeper, darker what some would call conspiracy theories that I think actually just takes time to prove they're right. Lots of them. But I'm aware of these things, but I will not not live my life ruled by fear to those things. I won't do it. I won't do it. So if I get a little corrective with you, it's because you've attached fear to it. When you attach fear to it, you just gave in to the devil. Not us, not today. We will not be afraid. We will not fear what the enemy is doing. We need to be aware. Maybe you need to make some changes in your life so that those things that you're noticing the enemy's doing in your life, yeah, you need to take that to Jesus. And if the Lord says, get rid of that trinket. If the Lord says, you need to take care of this thing. If the Lord says, hey, you need to not listen to that guy because he's defiled or corrupt. Then do that. But get your eyes on Jesus. Quit living in fear. Are we okay? All right. I had no idea I was going to get this fiery today. Hallelujah. Let me cool off. All right. Now, here's um, I want to go through Psalm chapter 4 because one of the reasons why we fear so much is because we don't understand what safety looks like. We don't understand that we are safe in the kingdom. We don't understand that we are safe. We are safe. We are safe. So it's good to be aware, but know that you're safe. You're safe in God. The safest place, I heard it recently, the safest place you can be is in the kingdom and in the will of God. There's not a safer place for you to be. And no matter what that might cost you in this life, it's the safest place to be. We have friends that are actually moving up here. You're gonna get to meet Daniel and Taylor Davis, and they have sold everything. He sold his company, sold his house. They sold everything, and they bought a a, a fifth wheel, and they drove all around the nation visiting places. We met, many of you met them in in Wyoming. They've been praying, God, where do you want us to settle? Where do you want us to land for the next season? And God told them to move here, right, to Sandpoint. So we're we're excited about that. They're gonna just get integrated and be part of what we do here. And he's got some things that the Lord has put on him to begin to develop and grow in some of his gifts. Taylor, they have three beautiful kids, amazing. Listen, the only reason why I bring them up is because the safest place wasn't at home in their house with a big business that he had built. The safest place was to sell everything and just say yes to whatever God asked. And God has proven his faithfulness over and over. Some of us, are so enamored with our safety that we don't trust God anymore. Let's not be enamored with comfort. Let's not be enamored with safety. This is not the season for apathetic Christianity. This is not the season for apathetic Christians who won't raise their voice in righteousness. This is not the season for it. But don't raise your voice because you're afraid. right. The fear of the Lord removes fear. The fear of the Lord removes fear because it is experiencing the love of God and having it matched with the understanding of His majesty, how big He is. Amen? Amen. Okay. Psalm chapter 4, I'm finally going to read it. To the chief musician with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Verse 4, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The fear of the Lord will manifest in Rest and safety. When you understand the fear of the Lord, you rest. You'll rest. You'll have peace because you see Him clearly. When you see God clearly, you can rest because it ain't on you. Let me say that again because I heard some, some no's in the spirit. Not me, not today. When you experience the fear of the Lord, You will rest because it is not on you. You will rest. You will rest. You will have rest and peace in your life when you fear the Lord. When you see him clearly and you know how much he loves you, you will have rest. So what do we need to do? We need to trust that God hears me. Trust that God hears you. It says, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. When we cry cry out to God, when we call on God, He hears you. There is no wall, there's no stone wall in heaven preventing Him from hearing you. He hears you. When you cry out, He hears you. He hears you. He will answer you in your distress. He hears you. Some of you actually need to believe it. He hears you. He hears your prayers. Whatever that outcry is to the Lord, He hears you. Now, Verse 2 says, how long, O sons of men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? Here, David is talking about the world around him. How long will you love worthlessness? How long will you take what God has meant for glory and bring shame on it? Well, isn't this the world that we live in today? Is it this what the world does? Marriage is glorious. Between a man and a woman, it is glorious. It is God's perfect design. And now, it's being called shameful. Mothers raising kids and doing anything domestically at home is considered shameful. And I'm not saying that that is what they have to be all the time or whatever, but there's a unique responsibility of caretaking and love and comfort and teaching that only a mother gives. Just as much as there's a unique role on the man to be able to be a provider, to provide, to create space for breakthrough, to create an environment of heaven in the home. All of these are considered shameful things now to the world. Are you you guys hearing me? Okay. It it doesn't take a lot to realize that God's perfect design through which his glory wants to be manifested is considered shameful to the world. How long? What's David say here? How long? Long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? And seek falsehood. Uh, Listen, the world will accuse you as you step forward, right? As you become more bold, the world will accuse you, and even the church might, but will accuse you of all types of craziness. I've been accused of some craziness, I'll just tell you. Been accused of some craziness. Unfortunately, most accusation that I get is from other believers, right? I mean, that's just normally the case because my doctrines don't line up fully with theirs, or you know, I mean, I did a I did a racial reconciliation service in Tallahassee, Florida, and we had a family leave the church. So I, I think it's I think it's important to understand that a lot of the accusations that come up are, are actually from within the body. Why? Because don't let it be you. Don't let, don't be an accuser of the brethren. Don't do it. Don't do it. Find a cork, pop it in your mouth, be quiet, right? Don't accuse the brethren. God hates it. God hates it. God hates it. Now, there's lots of people that I disagree with. I know, it's hard to believe. Lots of people I might disagree with. But the reality is, is I'm not going to badmouth them. I'm going to treat them with honor. And for those that have accused me, I'm going to forgive them freely. I'm not going to hold it against them. Okay? I love them. I want to see them encounter God in their fullness, in His, in his fullness. And, and one of the realities of glory to shame, one of the realities of glory to shame, taking what is glorious and creating shame around it is often because we have such a low view of ourselves and we need to protect ourselves that we're looking for, am I okay? Am I not okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Like, am I really doing okay? Because That scares me, and so now I've got to vilify them in order for me to feel okay, right? And we we mask it with all types of crazy language about I want to be doctrinally correct. So, you know, or I need to be, you know, careful of X, Y, and Z, and yet we, we cannot. Be careful, be smart, right? I don't take... I'll just say, I don't take um, doctrinal tips from people who don't believe the Holy Spirit is real and working today. I just don't. I don't care what the issue is. I'm like, eh, not interested. But I love them, and I'm gonna bless them, even though I disagree. They love Jesus. Why would I, why would I you know, create a greater divide by defending myself or defending something that God's got? If we see God clearly, these issues start to diminish. They diminish, they diminish, they diminish. Because God, the enemy wants you sidetracked. And God wants you on point. Okay, he wants you on mission. And so it's easy to get sidetracked when we get our, our, our minds and, our, and all of our stuff gets sucked into um, the division in the body. Or the political divide and liberal churches versus conservative churches. Oof, I want to talk about a divide right now. Hello. Wow that's a divide. It's a divide. And yet, and yet, some may absolutely be in love with Jesus, and they're seeking the Lord. So we just say, yes, Lord, go get them. Praise the Lord. He's going to work through people that you don't like or understand, Verse 2 is such two interesting questions. How long will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? I think it's important to understand that, that there's God's appointed time where it won't stand anymore. The question is how long, not why. How long because there will come a time when revival will come to the political arena in America. I'll just say it really clearly revival is coming to politics. Why is that? Well, because the enemy's an idiot and he overplays his hand. He overplays his hand. And I'm jazzed about how many people here are getting involved in the political process. It makes me excited. Why? Because we need righteousness in politics. Great. I support powerful Christian men and women in in entertainment. Praise God, we got to infiltrate. We need to do some things to get involved and actually Bring righteousness into the places that are unrighteousness. There's a reason why Jesus told Peter, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. The gates aren't weapons. They're holding people in. We kick gates down. That's what we do. We'll kick a gate down and set some people free. Amen? So the how long, it's just a matter of time. We know how this story ends, and it is Jesus on the throne. Amen? We know how the story ends. Revelation 18 talks about all the nations of the world bringing their glory before God. I I love the idea that before a new heaven and a new earth, all the nations of the earth give their glory to Jesus. Okay, can I mess with your eschatology a little more? Maybe, maybe that as we say, it's, it's got to get dark, and it, as, as it grows darker, it also gets lighter at the same time. There's going to be this great falling away, and at the same time, there's this great revival. Well, I got two competing forces at work here, and light always beats dark. Always, always. Why do you think in scary movies the dark consumes, watch it, the dark will consume light? Dark force comes in and it just like sucks up all the light. Nope, doesn't ever happen. It's not even a thing. It's not even a thing. Why do you think there's zombie movies? Well, because there's a resurrection of the dead that's coming and the is want you to be afraid of it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, wake up, church. Get our eyes on Jesus. How long? Because there is an appointed time for revival. Oh, man, I'm only in verse 2. All right, um... Verse 3, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly, the Lord will hear when I call to him. So the world is not seeking truth, but I have God. The world loves worthlessness, but I have God, right? Last week, we talked about being an uncommon people. It was a really fun message to preach. I really recommend you go to the YouTube channel and watch it. If even if you watch it again, it was just it, I was it was a great message about being holy. Right? Be holy, be set apart, be an uncommon people. Turn to someone near you and say, "I'm not normal." I'm not normal. I'm not normal. I'm not normal. The Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. How are you made righteous? The work he did, the work he did made me righteous. Now I have a responsibility to set myself apart, I have a responsibility to be uncommon. I have a responsibility to have a really big yes to Jesus that is abnormal, that is unrealistic, that is not logical, okay? I, it's my responsibility to be holy, right? I receive his righteousness, and then I ch- allow that to change my mind, and my behavior begins to move in a manner that sets me apart from the world. Amen? Now, here, I love this because he says... Know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Again, the world can take my glory and turn it to shame, but I have God. When you have a fear of the Lord, you're not worried about what the enemy can do to you. What the world can do to you. We need to have grace on another level for what's coming. We are in a systematic purging of the church. And I'm just going to say this very plainly. The enemy wants to destroy the American church. All the, the gloves are off. You what? Know what? Did my mic just come out for that? Forget that. The enemy will try to take out leaders in the body of Christ in mass. I've been praying, 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 praying. When you hear the stories on the media about all of these church leaders, mega pastors, whatever you want to call them, like whatever, the popular ones, all of them have dirt. Do you know why? They're human. We have to be a people that will have an uncommon grace to not stab them in the back and throw them in the garbage. Amen. We can't do it. I am praying diligently that we will have men and women of God in every single one of those churches that will understand reconciliation and restoration that will not, that will not be punishing but restorative. Because that what the devil wants to use for evil, God intended for good, and he's weaving his goodness into that. I believe that after some of this stuff goes down, that the church is going to rise up on a whole nother level. And what the enemy meant to do to take him out, boy, we just rose up and said, uh-uh, not today, Satan. Not today. You have to have that happening in your heart now. You need to have grace Now, instead of accusation, grace. Instead of fear that another leader might fail, grace and mercy. Pray hard for these men and women of God. Pray hard. Pray hard. And it might be a little uproar locally. Who knows? I don't know. But I know what the devil's trying to do. The only reason why I'm telling you is I'm not prophesying it's going to happen. I just see the, I'm just, this is not my prophetic word. This is just, I'm I'm watching what the enemy is trying to do. It's coming. So, I pray it doesn't happen. And I pray every single pastor, every single church leader, every single elder, every single deacon, every single serve team leader begins to clean out their closet right now. That they be purified by the blood, that they walk in holiness now. That they can say, no, that was then, this is now. God, will you encounter them in Jesus' name. Now, whew, Let's talk about verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. We need our emotions to begin to align with righteousness. Our emotions must align with righteousness. What does that mean? It means that when I'm angry... I'm actually consulting the Father with my anger. You cannot have your anger become righteous anger unless you allow the blood to flow in your anger. So often, our anger is because I didn't get what I want, right? James 4 is crystal clear. The reason why there's quarrels and strife among you is because you lust after something and you didn't get it. I didn't get the respect I deserved. (gasps) I didn't get, they didn't acknowledge me the way that they should. I'm angry. How about you take it to Jesus? (laughs) Let's take it to the Lord. Oh my goodness, so much of our anger is because we actually view ourselves very small. No, you are big in Christ. Okay, so it didn't go the way you wanted it to. Who's on the throne? Who's your protector? Who's your provider? Who knows your heart? Who's going to love you in the midst of your temper tantrum? (laughs) Jesus will, right? Right, yeah. Now let me tell you, I might have just made a few of you angry. Can you take that to Jesus? I'm using a little bit of sarcastic humor intentionally. I'm serious. I'm using it intentionally because anger hates to be mocked. Yeah, you really want to set somebody off that has an anger problem? Start making fun of them. Just heard a Katy Perry song, Fireworks. Woo Fireworks. Let me, let, me just, let me just say that I'm not doing that to diminish or belittle, but I felt like I wanted to spark a little bit of that in you so that you take that, if you felt a little like, ooh, he's making fun, I got an anger problem, take it to the Lord, please. Take it to Jesus. Why? Because he knows exactly what you need. And, and he wants your emotions to become aligned with right thinking and right doing. He wants your emotions of when you're angry to actually become, especially you justice-oriented people, when a third party gets hurt, you're more angry than the person who was in the situation, right? Because you all are justice people. You're like, they did that to them? Ah." You know, like you're coming in hot, all right? The reality is, is that if you're a justice-oriented person, you are not the judge, You have to come to the judge, right? So we've got to align our emotions with righteousness. Are you guys doing okay? I'm having fun. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Oh, now he says I need to be still. (laughs) Meditate on my bed and be still. I like to sleep on my bed. I don't meditate on my bed. He wants us to take the time to consider who God is, and just slow down and be quiet. Meditate and be still. That will do more for your emotional health than your 30 processing conversations you try to have with your bestie every day. Or, oh. oh, 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 she said Facebook. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Lisa, you need to start laying hands, deliverance straight right now. Lord, need to be delivered, need to deliver the body from the Facebook addiction. All right. Meditate within your heart, on your bed, and be still. This will fill you. And if you're uncomfortable in the quiet and the stillness alone with God, just stay there. <laughs> just stay there until you hear from the Lord. Because when you start hearing now, He can minister to the places in your heart that are off, where you put hope in the false thing, where you put hope. That your spouse would do XYZ and they ain't doing it, and you're now, you're upset, you're angry, you're frustrated, and yet, who's your hope? I cannot put my hope in Mika. I can't. I can't, not because she's gonna fail me, but because I need a better foundation of hope than a human. Any human. Do not put your hope in me, please. Put your hope in Christ. Meditate within your heart, on your bed, and be still. Take time to meditate on the Lord and who He is. God wants to set us free. And sometimes our inability to stop or put the phone down or shut the TV off or I got a reply to that, post on Facebook, I didn't like what they said. Okay. The things that we're doing that are sucking up our life, they got to stop. And and one of the great ways to do that is to meditate within your heart on your bed, be still and experience the goodness of God. Woo! All right, verse 5 offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put trust in your trust in the Lord, right? Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. That is speaking and doing right when it's hard. The sacrifice of righteousness is doing what's hard, whatever the Lord's asking you to do. Right? If he's made you right, you are free to do some things that might be difficult. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It didn't record that. Hallelujah. There he is. All right. Verse 6, there are many who say, who will show us any good? The world is desperate for good. The world is desperate for good. Who will show us any good? Who will show us any good? This is the cry of the world today. And they've been deceived believing that goodness is going to come through, through the way that we uh, do um, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, we, we, we signal to the world that we're good by doing a bunch of things that are evil. I mean, look how good I am. I did this evil thing. And I'm accepting and approving of evil. And therefore, I'm good. Just be tolerant. Just da 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 You can go down the line, okay? It's called virtue signaling. So often, we in the body will virtue signal. We we don't. We have to be really honest with the things that we say and that we do. Not just because oh bless her heart. Not just because oh I'll pray for you. Not like we got to do it honestly. Because the world is looking for what is really good. We cannot have any hypocrisy in the body. Now... The world is running around trying to find what is good in all the ways that they know how to find what is good. We have a lot of grace for the non-believers either in our families and in our, with our friends because they're looking for what is good. Their heart is to find what is good and to do what is good, right? Am I right? They want to do what is good. I don't see a lot of people who don't know Jesus that are going around going, I just want to be evil. No, they're actually like wanting to do good. But they, it's a twist, uh, twisted good. It's not a genuine goodness, even though the motives are good. You, do you hear what I'm saying? We can't have that same thing in the church. We can't just have good intentions, not honor the Lord or honor each other. We can't just have good intentions, which I, you know, Thinks it's the sixth love language, right? There's five, but the sixth one is, I meant to. <laughs> it should work, right? I meant to do good, right? We have, to, we have to purify in righteousness, right thinking and right doing. We have to show the world what good actually is. We have to purify our hearts in the house, you guys doing okay? Okay. The world is desperate for good. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You've put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone. Make me dwell in safe, safety. Rejoice in the goodness of God. And remember, the one you fear has your back. You can rest in safety because the one you fear has your back. I apologize if today felt a little disjointed or if it seemed like I was all over the place. I feel like the purification process that God has the body of Christ in is much bigger than this house, but it starts with us. It starts with us. We got to get our emotions in alignment with righteousness, we have to diligently pursue resting in the Lord. We have to quit staring at what the devil's doing and start releasing what God is doing. You keep proclaiming what the devil's doing, you're not giving out what the Lord is doing. You're not not fulfilling what, what needs to be happening in the world, which is, will anyone show us good? Yes, right here, right here. Will you stand with me? I know this, this word might have been a little more corrective even than I intended it to be. But I really I really believe that we have a unique opportunity today to let, let the past die. Let your past story die. Let the past offenses die. Let the lens of accusation in your heart die. Let the things that are... Messing with your head that's no longer keeping you in the will of God? Can we just let those die? Jesus paid for those things at the cross so that you might have, as Lisa said earlier, freedom. The Lord wants you to be free to have your entire mind, will, and emotions aligned with His pure and holy love for you. Aligned with righteousness. So that you're no longer running around feeling as if you are a lost puppy. And we've got a puppy. And sometimes he gets lost. (laughs) He's cute. The reality is, is, is God wants you to put to death the things that have prevented you from being bold. That have prevented you from engaging fully. That have prevented you from living out of that place of the fullness of the love of God and seeing His majesty. That might be a perception about yourself that needs to die. It might be the way that you react everybody, every time somebody makes fun of anger. Just kidding. That was another <laughs> uh, bad joke. But the, the, whatever that thing is in you, we need to let it die. Let it die. Let it die. Why? He is really good. He wants to reveal his goodness to you, and he wants you to step into freedom today. So we just raise your hands like you want to receive something from the Lord today. And God, I receive from you today your love. Uh, Say it with me. God, I receive from you today the fullness of your love. Show me who you are in your majesty in your glory, in your awesome might. I love you, Jesus. I choose to live for you and with you. I release my past. I release my offenses. I release the strongholds the enemy has built in my mind. And I ask God that you fill me with your spirit and that strongholds of righteousness will be established in my heart, established in my mind, established in my emotions. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.